Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. With over 700 military veteran journalists worldwide, it's your Rethinking Heroes Flash Briefing. Stories from the front. Well, we lead with tragic news this morning out of South Carolina. Three children and an Army Command Sergeant Major are dead after a, quote, domestic-related mass shooting. The killer, an Army veteran, is also deceased. The children's mother, also a current Army Sergeant Major, survived the attack, which was perpetrated by her recently divorced ex-husband. Local police said that the mother and her deceased colleague, Command Sergeant Major Carlos Evans, were not romantically involved. Both troops are assigned to the U.S. Army Central Headquarters located at nearby Shaw Air Force Base. The ex-husband, assailant, worked there as a civilian. According to the local police chief, the attacker used his key to enter the home before shooting Evans in the backyard. Their mother tried to stop him but was unable to do so. Law enforcement and Army officials expressed shock and sorrow about the shooting, which shattered a peaceful subdivision where several service members lived. Army Central's Lieutenant General Patrick Frank said the command will provide the mother any and all assistance that she needs while cooperating with the investigation. He also mourned the loss of Evans, a valor-decorated soldier who left a mark on countless peers and subordinates over his 20-plus year career. And overnight, word emerged from Syria that American personnel were killed and wounded in a suicide drone strike there. The attack targeted a U.S. coalition maintenance facility in the war-torn country's northeast. The U.S. military still has around 900 troops in Syria as part of its fight against the Islamic State terrorist organization. One U.S. contractor died, another contractor, and five U.S. military troops were wounded. Three wounded troops and the surviving contractor required medical evacuation to hospitals in neighboring Iraq, and two of the wounded service members were treated on site. The DOD claimed the drone, which exploded on impact, that drone was linked to Iran. The nation has openly supported militias that have squared off with the U.S. throughout the region while intervening in Syria's bloody decade-long civil war. Similar drones have popped up in Ukraine, where Russia is using them to deadly effect. So in response, the U.S. used F-15 fighter jets in retaliatory airstrikes against Iranian-linked facilities in Syria. In a statement to media, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said that President Joe Biden ordered the swift response. Government officials from Syria and Iran did not immediately react to the drone attack or the airstrikes, but Qatar's top diplomat spoke with counterparts from both the U.S. and Iran. It's not clear if the situation will escalate, but the news comes amid what U.S. officials call a, quote, series of attacks against forces in Syria. Tensions nearly boiled over between the U.S. and Iran in late 2019 and early 2020, and that happened when the U.S. killed a top Iranian commander and Tehran retaliated by launching ballistic missiles at a U.S. base in Iraq. But all-out war was happily averted. The DOD announced some better news for active-duty military families this week, though. The Pentagon will create new flexible spending accounts to help troops lower their out-of-pocket costs for dependent care. These accounts, which many civilian employers offer, permit workers to put aside $5,000 in pre-tax money. Those dollars can go toward a laundry list of eligible expenses like child care, summer camps, before and after school programs, and even adult daycare for developmentally disabled children. The total savings by avoiding income taxes on $5,000 ranges from around $380 to nearly $1,400, depending on the service member's rank and seniority. 
The move comes amid several other recent initiatives targeted at making life better for military families. More than one in three active duty troops has one or more children. The military is improving its program for assisting military families whose children have special needs, creating new support requirements and enhancing its oversight. The Pentagon is also introducing universal pre-K classes at on-base schools if Congress approves the funds and funds it. The move would cost more than $90 million, but studies show that pre-K has long-lasting benefits for kids. Military spouses can also carry professional licenses such as cosmetology and real estate licenses across state lines thanks to a January law that's going to help them remain employed despite constant moves for their obvious spouse's career. But lawyers beware, legal licenses are the only exception. So start studying for that new bar exam. Special thanks Davis Winky and military veterans and journalism for assembling this flash briefing from Los Angeles and beyond. I'm Carrie Harrison with Rethinking Heroes. Rethinking Heroes, life after the military. I've spent a decade taking a bite out of conspiracy theories, unraveling urban legends, and grappling with worldwide top secret issues. I've even racked up some of their awards. Wow, I mean, first of all, what a question. Journalism is about telling the truth, all while ferreting out the bottom line. I'm a Harrison Hellraiser. Uh-oh. With me, Carrie Harrison, as your guide. Rethinking Heroes, Life After the Military, with Carrie Harrison. Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. We're in a, well, in a week. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, it may have already passed a week, which means we have resolved $1 million in regular people's medical debt spread across the U.S. in the name of veterans, active, former potential, it doesn't matter. This is just to demonstrate that our service people are still in action, working hard for you, though you may not see them, though you may not hear about them, though uniquely, this show is the first of its kind anywhere in the nation to literally talk about veterans, to talk with veterans, which represent millions of people in the United States. I'm going to make an analogy that'll make sense to you. Years ago, you might remember the birth of Spanish radio, Spanish-speaking talk radio, uh, music that was done in Spanish, and people kind of rolled their eyes. This is about 20 years ago. Oh, it'll never work. Top format in the United States as we speak. Number one format, Hispanic radio. Number one, rolling in millions of dollars worth of advertising money, promotional money. That's where the audience is. Who knew? Well, same thing with veteran-focused radio. Since it is a huge core of America, generally people over 70 have all had to have compulsory service. That means that chunk are actually veterans. And then there are the millions more in active service all over the, the world. And we have not spoken to them much as we never spoke to people who spoke Spanish, a huge demographic in the United States. Well, we are moving forward. We are doing it right here, right now. I'm going to introduce a guest who is, well, let's just say he's got something very important and special to say, because if you think about it, here's just a simple question. It's a rhetorical question. What happens when a disabled Marine Corps combat veteran ends up in a high-profile position in the State Department? 
Sounds good, right? Do politics toward vets who've seen the worst, do those policies change? Well, in 2009, this man resigned his post with the State Department in Afghanistan in protest over the escalation of that war. He says he wants accountability for our government's actions to include making sure veterans and their families are fully supported. Uh, Any hands in the room that don't agree with that? Don't see any there. With me now is Matt Ho, Associate Director of the Eisenhower Media Network and an Emeritus Senior Fellow with the Center for International Policy. And Matt Ho, I want to welcome you so much to Rethinking Heroes. Hey, thank you, Carrie. Thank you for having me join you. I don't think I over-egged the pudding there in your brief description. Um, stepping away from a post like that, uh, uh, stirring the hornet's nest a little bit on behalf of live human beings that are actually out there creating the reason for a State Department and keeping it well alive is, well, I'd say that's a, a, a new form of integrity. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, what I saw when I was in Afghanistan was the reiteration of policies that have been tried in Iraq, uh, this idea that we're going to have achieved military victory. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw that the Bush, the Obama administration was not very different at all from the Bush administration in the sense of how it was so willing to use lives to secure a win. Right. So just as the Bush administration was eager to use Iraq to for domestic political reasons, if people remember, go back to 2009, this was, you know, President Obama's big push, along with, you know, uh, Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. But the Afghan war was such a big deal in the U.S. in 2009, 2010. Uh, and, and now we don't really talk about it. We forget how big of a push, how big of a surge there was into Afghanistan. And I think uh, just uh, as we're seeing this past week with the anniversary of the 20th invasion of Iraq by the United States, getting some media attention, not a lot, but some, we're realizing just how much we've already tried to forget about these wars. But for, of course, the people in Iraq and Afghanistan, the wars continue. And for veterans and their families here as well, they continue. So I think when we talk about accountability, that's what we're talking about, not just the recognition for what happened there and who should be held responsible, but for the fact that people are still living with these wars and they must be taken care of. And it's something that we need to acknowledge. Thank you so much, Matt Ho. And historically speaking, um, I remember studying some years ago, this thing called the Mujahideen uh, going back to about 1978 when uh, the U.S., Great Britain, and all at all were involved in Afghanistan back then up against the Soviets. And so funding Osama bin Laden, who was at the time our new best friend and on the payroll, uh, then, of course, became enemy number one. And we're not taught that part in school. That's why we have these radio stations that are actually able to fill in the blanks of history so it's not just George Washington or Napoleon scratching fleas under his So this is kind of important stuff because these are nuggets of information that explain why you did what you did. Absolutely. And I think, too, I I don't want to say it's peculiar to Americans because I think people around the world do this, societies around the world do this. But we do tend to compartmentalize history. We do want to attach start and end dates to it. So, for example, with the the 20th invasion of, of, of Iraq, many people describe that as the Iraq War. But the reality is that, uh, you know, United States starting sending weapons into Iraq 
in the Nixon administration to arm the Kurds to try and overthrow the government. I mean, I was born in 1973. So my entire life, the United States has been using military means in one way or another, either supporting the Iraqi government or not supporting the Iraqi government. But my entire life, that's what it would have been like in Iraqi. But in the U.S., we wanted to find things very clearly, just as much with Afghanistan, where the war that was taking place in Afghanistan on September 10th, as soon as 9-11 happened, we redefined that war. We gave it a new title. Uh, you know, you go, you look at the war and how it was reported on up until September 11th or say October of 2001 when the U.S. militarily intervenes, and it's described as a civil war. Once the United States comes in, it then takes on a, a definition or a description that is, you know, American-centric. But we do this. I mean, so not only do we have gaps in our history of our understanding what has occurred, we also want to put arbitrary start and end dates. And so I think going back to what we spoke about initially just a few minutes ago, this idea that somehow the war is over is certainly not true for the Iraqis, certainly not true for the Afghans, and definitely not true for veterans and their families. I mean, there's the old saying, it's attributed to Plato. I don't know if that's true or not, but that only the dead have seen the end of war. And I think that's what you're talking about. Veterans and their families carry it on with them throughout their lives. For those of you under 30, that's Plato, P-L-A-T-O, not P-L-A-Y-D-O-H. We're talking right now... (laughs) Sorry. I'm glad you have a sense of humor. We're talking right now to Matthew Ho, Associate Director of the Eisenhower Media Network and Emeritus Senior Fellow with the Center for International Policy, a disabled Marine Corps combat veteran who in 2009 resigned his post with the State Department in Afghanistan in protest over the escalation of that war and is looking for accountability for government action to include making sure that veterans and their families are fully supported. And to touch on the, the musical note that you just played a second ago, Uncontroversially, corporations rebrand all the time. Um, What used to be Time Warner, which got sued by everyone for horrible service, bad internet, stealing money, um, then rebranded as Spectrum, which sounds a lot lovelier. I can see the rainbows already. (laughs) And we have forgotten they were once the Time Warner Corporation, delivering bad cable and no internet most of the time. So rebranding is like heroic and wonderful in corporate America, but when it comes to a larger corporation in many ways, a true multinational international corporation called the military, uh, we have the most amount of military bases in all of human history. Think about that. I mean, Napoleon would have gotten a hard on. Alexander the Great would have been peripolating in anticipatory delight if someone told them we could, they could roll out like, 700 bases around Earth. And, and we've achieved that. So we do rebrand for the benefit of the public that doesn't know anything anyway. And you throw it on CNN, which is the official voice of the State Department. And, you know, it's delivered by Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper. And it's pretty swell. Right, right. I mean, in this notion, too, about how big the American empire is, and there's no other term for it, we recoil at that. We don't like that brand as Americans. We fought against an, Amer- an empire. That's how we achieved our independence. So we are repulsed by the idea of an empire. But a nation that has 800 military bases around the world, what else do you call it? Particularly when there's hardly anyone else with military bases outside their own countries. I think the British are number two, but the Russians have a handful. You know, the Chinese have one. Uh, you know, what I mean, so like, but so what do we call it then? And we don't like that brand. 
So we try and describe our wars, our military force, our, uh, you know, what our veterans go through as something other than war, because we don't like that either. And this is maybe why the United States Congress has not declared war since 1941, right? But we've had how many operations, how many interventions, how many occupations, how many hundreds of thousands of American families have seen their sons and daughters go off to war, not come home or come home irrevocably changed, but we don't call it war. We call it Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom. And then when we don't like that any longer, we shift, we, we switch the name. And so it becomes Operation Inherent Resolve or some such thing, right? The Vietnam War was not the Vietnam War. It was the Vietnam Conflict, right? You know, the Korean War was not a, a war. It was a police action. And you see the same with Russia. Russia does not call their war in Ukraine a war. They call it a special military operation. And this reminds me very much of George Carlin's great bit about post-traumatic stress disorder. If people are not familiar with that, uh, look it up on YouTube. It, it, it's, it's well worth listening to. And he gets exactly to the point we're talking about. And, and George Orwell, too. All the Georges seem to have been right here, except George III. And we left him, <laughs> and here we are. And we're now doing what he did. So it is that there's the definition of irony for you. We're going to pause for just a second and continue. And then we're going to get into what is the Eisenhower Media Network. Uh, we're going to answer that question. Uh, we all know that that's named after the president, Dwight D. Eisenhower. But why him? Why not the Nixon? media network, although that would probably have an entirely different vibe to it. But we're going to uh, delve into that. Plus, we're going to ask Matthew Ho, who's with us right now, associate director of that Eisenhower Media Network, um, how his leaving the State Department in Afghanistan and the effect it's had on veterans and what you as a veteran or you as an active service person or you married to one or you as a child of one can expect in the future going forward. This is Rethinking Heroes. Carrie Harrison with you. RethinkingHeroes.com. RethinkingHeroes.com. We'll be back in just a flash. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. Life after the military. RethinkingHeroes.com. Hi, Carrie Harrison here with you, reminding you to like and share when you visit us on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com Rethinking Heroes. It's really that simple. Facebook.com Rethinking Heroes. Not only are we wiping out $1 million in regular people's medical debt at the end of every month, but our Rethinking Heroes Facebook page is dedicated to all the good people who have heard this show and would like to have a 24-hour after show, so to speak. So just feel free to write what's on your mind, in your heart, and on your conscience, knowing that it will remain uncensored and honored not only by us, but by your fellow veterans. Whether you are a veteran or simply married to one or are a military brat or just care a lot more than the next guy, we invite you to hang out on our Facebook page, which is cleverly called Rethinking Heroes. Imagine how many hours that took for that high-level marketing decision. So don't forget to always like and share every time you visit us on Facebook at Rethinking Heroes. Rethinking Heroes. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more 
prick in my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-628-7226. 800-628-7226. One week from today. And we do this every single month. And we can thank nonprofits. We can thank charities like RIP Medical Debt and Jerry Ashton and Let's Rethink This and a host of other people who have thrown in their backs to get rid of medical debt. And who gets the credit? Veterans. They're the ones standing up and still fighting for you and me. And this is regular people's medical debt spread across the United States. It's a giant coup, and we're pulling it off here, just like right now I'm in Switzerland. Why am I here? Because coming up, I'm going to take you inside of a World War II bunker that has been sealed for 80 years and give you a live tour through it and bring you a history that you don't know about, that you weren't taught, that you've actually been told does not exist. Well, we're going to do that kind of reality check because that's what we do here on Rethinking Heroes. And coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be talking to Tim Canova. He is, um, it's very complicated. So I'm going to just distill it down to a beautiful sentence. Who's to blame for the banking crisis that you and I are suffering? The bankers, the Federal Reserve, other banking regulators, Congress, the Biden administration, past administrations? Well, we're going to do that deep dive and answer those questions. That's coming up in about uh, five minutes or so. But right now, back to the uh, our important former combat veteran uh, whose name is – see, I'm, I'm – standing in a bunker right now <laughs> so i'm trying to read this in the dark this is this is the radio magic that we've all grown to love right former uh, or disabled marine corps combat veteran uh, who ended up in a high profile position in the state department did policies change toward vets we're going to explore that right now as we continue to talk to uh, matthew ho with the eisenhower media center and matthew welcome back to rethinking heroes thank you carrie after my beautiful fumble there, but I did pick it up. I did, uh, you know, run a couple of yards, trip, fall down, get back up. That's the American way. Let's talk a little bit about the Eisenhower Media Center. What is it you do there? Because the name is certainly familiar. Right. So uh, this, of course, is in response to General Dw- General Dwight Eisenhower, President Dwight Eisenhower's uh, famous farewell address of 1961, where he warns about the dangers of the military industrial complex. Um, As well, one of my favorite Eisenhower quotes attributed to him was that when he was in the White House, standing in the Oval Office, he looked at his chair and he said, I pity this nation when a man sits in that chair who doesn't understand the military like I do. And what he meant was not that you need a president who is a tactician or strategist or understands logistics, but someone who understands that the generals and admirals lie all the time. And this is a theme that you see throughout Dwight Eisenhower's presidency, as well as John F. Kennedy's presidency. This uh, uh, conflict 
with the generals and the admirals and the lies that they told. Uh, so Eisenhower Media Network is a collection of veterans and former government national security officials who urge restraint in American war making. We argue for a diplomatic foreign policy as opposed to a militarized foreign policy. And we also very much uh, uh, argue for getting our defense budget under control. Uh, I want to thank you, Matt Ho, and I just also underscore something that is obvious to me, but may not be obvious to everyone. Uh, if you're streaming this and not hearing it on what we now call terrestrial radio, that means it goes to an antenna and your car speakers. Uh, sometimes there used to be coat hangers on the top, but it's FM, which stands for freaking magic. So it goes through bridges, goes through everything, even tunnels, even bunkers occasionally, except here in Switzerland because they're 50 feet thick. Well, Matt Ho is talking about as a veteran, as a disabled Marine Corps combat veteran, uh, also speaking the words of millions of veterans who would prefer not to have to risk their lives if they don't have to. Um, and that's not the song that sort of a lot of people imagine. They think that everyone is aggressive and they all want to go out and do stuff, but it's just simply not true. It seems like your first love, your first passion happens to be the Constitution and the oath you took, Matt Ho. That's correct. That's correct. I, I think that's the case for many, many people who joined the military. Uh, certainly, there are economic reasons why people do it. People do it to, to find opportunities to get out of the situations they're in. I mean, as many vet, as many members of the military and veterans there are, there are reasons why they joined. But I think what you see as a, as a line that runs through all, us all is an understanding that we want to serve our communities, understanding that as bad off as we are as a nation, we do have some pretty good defining gov uh, governance and documents that can lead us into a better place. Certainly understanding all the challenges, all the hardships, the realities of what this country has been, you know, not whitewashing that or, or glossing over that, but understanding the potential that we have based upon what our defining documents are as a nation and adherence to that. And what we see oftentimes is that when we get away from that, when we move away from those types of governing authorities, that's when the corruption sets in. That's when the endless wars set in. That's when you get uh, crony capitalism, if you will, as I assume you're going to talk about maybe in your next segment. But this is all tied right. together, right? This is all tied together in terms of what are the foundational reasons for this? When you pull it apart, you can see that Endless wars, really, I believe, are, are uh, they're symptomatic. The same root cause is what causes, you know, our perilous uh, financial conditions. Harry Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. Uh, I would recommend uh, everybody Google, if you use Google, I use uh, DuckDuckGo because allegedly it's more anonymous. And if I were ever to download a naughty picture, allegedly, nobody would know. But, you know, we all know that's not true, thanks to Eddie Snowden, who really pulled the cork on that one. And I think most people are actually pleased to have that piece of information, not the information of my alleged anything, but the piece of information that they are watching. And we're talking to a man who's watching the Watchers. And that's kind of a cool concept. And I think no matter what anyone's political position is, red, blue, purple, green, doesn't really matter. I think everyone expects some kind of accountability in government and some kind of level of honesty. I mean, it's not too much to ask, and it seems very reasonable. And one of the things that Matthew Ho does as Associate Director of the Eisenhower Media Network is brings 
accountability as a veteran, as a uh, disabled combat veteran, along with a bunch of other veterans to the entire machinery that Dwight D. Eisenhower, president, former general Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, brought to the fore. He was probably the first president ever. I mean, talk about rocking the boat, right? Oh, uh, you know, absolutely. His, uh, um, I think, too, that his farewell address where he warns about the military industrial complex, warns about the power of the defense corporations, uh, the weapons makers. Uh, this was something that had been understood after World War I. Uh, there were a number of, of congressional efforts to try and get that under control. World War II occurs. And then throughout the 50s with the Cold War, just Eisenhower understands where it's going to go. And now, of course, we have a federal budget where over half the discretionary funding goes to the military. Half of that goes to weapons makers, to contractors. Uh, you know, we just had the 20th anniversary of the Iraq war invasion. Uh, $2 trillion were spent directly on that war. Uh, half of that went to contractors, weapons went to weapons makers. So the understanding how that money influences everything, whether it's from influencing policy, influencing the media, of course, campaign contributions and buying politicians. I mean, this is all very, very insidious. And uh, President Eisenhower understood that, saw what was going. And as I said before, you know, you could see how John F. Kennedy acted as well. His relationship with the generals and the admirals and the Pentagon, his understanding of it. John F. Kennedy himself, a veteran, had spent time in the military, understood the nature of the institution the Leviathan-esque nature of it and how it was going to do what it was best for itself, not what's best for the country. But this is why you have civilian control of the military. This is what the founders understood. This ah. is why they distrust the military, right? So again, it gets back to your foundational documents, your governance, what it was the intent of these people who put this together, imperfect as they may be, as or they were, they understood certain things. One of them being, of course, this relationship between military and war, profit and greed. And, of course, uh, when the king runs the military, owns the military, owns the humans because they're subjects, not citizens, property of the king, which is why in our country, uh, which is part of uh, it's an artifact of British common law, um, as subjects of the king, you are property of the crown. So murder is illegal, not, not because it's immoral. It's because you've destroyed the crown's property. So this is why I love history. I mean, I love the kind of history that we explore here because uh, Mrs. Tidor never taught us that in third grade. I promise you that. I appreciate you, Matthew Ho. You are the Associate Director of the Eisenhower Media Network, Emeritus Senior Fellow with the Center for International Policy, Disabled Marine Corps, Combat Veterans, standing up. And in 2009, resigned your post with the State Department in Afghanistan to protest over the escalation of that war looking for accountability, like all the rest of us, for government action to include making sure veterans and their families are fully supported. Appreciate your coming on today and look forward to a continuing relationship down the road. Thank you so much, Carrie. You have a good day. Thank you, my friend. Coming up, we're going to be talking to Tim Canova, and he's going to explain who's to blame for the current U.S. banking crisis. Is there actually an answer? Well, there's something pretty close to it, that's for sure. You want to know? Well, it's the bankers. Well, no, it's the Federal Reserve. And it's the banking regulators. No, it's Congress. No, it's Joe Biden. Well, it's all the presidential administrations. Well, we're going to do a deep dive into that because 
it affects you, it affects me, it affects all of us, it affects everything we do, we touch, and that touches us. Then I'm going to take you into a bunker, a World War II era Swiss bunker, and there are 22,000 of them in a country about the size of Rhode Island. Wrap your head around that. It's been sealed for 80 years. going to take you on a little tour, which is why you're hearing some echo in my voice. I'm in the ante room, but it is a giant chamber. All that and more right here on Rethinking Heroes. Rethinking Heroes, life after the military. Hi, Carrie Harrison here with you, reminding you to like and share when you visit us on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com Rethinking Heroes. It's really that simple. Facebook.com Rethinking Heroes. Not only are we wiping out $1 million in regular people's medical debt at the end of every month, but our Rethinking Heroes Facebook page is dedicated to all the good people who have heard this show and would like to have a 24-hour after show, so to speak. So just feel free to write what's on your mind, in your heart, and on your conscience, knowing that it will remain uncensored and honored not only by us, but by your fellow veterans. Whether you are a veteran or simply married to one or are a military brat or just care a lot more than the next guy, we invite you to hang out on our Facebook page, which is cleverly called Rethinking Heroes. Imagine how many hours that took for that high-level marketing decision. So don't forget to always like and share every time you visit us on Facebook at Rethinking Heroes. Rethinking Heroes. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and... And they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-628-7226. 800-628-7226. That's 800 628 7226. Rethinking Heroes, Life After the Military with Carrie Harrison. Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, rethinkingheroes.com, where you can learn more. Also know that we have and are absolving $1 million in medical debt on behalf of U.S. veterans. That's across the entire country. Sped, spread. It was sped. Yes, sped up and spread through every city, every county, all over the place, thinly spread so that everybody gets touched by this. Um, We thankfully are associated with wonderful charities like RIP Medical Debt. We can thank HBO for having help through John Oliver, bring this to light, and all these other things. And together, we here at Rethinking Heroes have, well, we're breaking ground. This has never been done before. In fact, a veteran-focused show like this has never existed before, and it's Morning Drive in market number two, the media capital of Earth. That's pretty cool. Plus, we're associated with 700 military journalists through military veterans in journalism. So we have a huge, wide, growing network, and we're here to be of service to you, whether you're in active service, maybe you're a civilian. I'm a civilian. 
And uh, I need to know what's going on with my banking system because I have a small checking account, which is getting smaller by the moment. So I have questions. You have questions. And with us right now is Tim Canova, who's going to answer who's to blame for the current U.S. banking crisis. Who is it? Of all the people, the Congress, the Federal Reserve, the usual customers. Well, Tim Canova is saying all of the above. With me now is Tim Canova, Professor of Law and Public Finance at Nova Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Previously practiced law on Wall Street, so he actually knows about what he speaks. Professor Canova has written extensively about past banking panics, economic downturns from the 1930s, also known as the Great Depression. Ask your grandmother about it or your great-grandmother. She'll tell you and wince, wince, squint and maybe lean over and vomit. It was that bad. I remember my grandmother keeping drawers full of rubber bands. And I would ask her about it, and my father said, shut up. So <laughs> he's an expert not only on the Great Recession, how this affects all of us in all sectors from military to civilian, but can break it down in language that you and I can actually understand. And I want to welcome you right now, Tim Canova, to Rethinking Heroes. Thank you, Carrie. Great to be with you. So it's not my imagination that there's a banking problem. There is a serious banking problem. <laughs> you know, uh, this week's a little bit calmer than last week, but it's a serious problem. And a lot of the fundamental uh, factors behind it are, are are not getting better. So let's get right to the, you know, the money shot, as they say. Who's at fault? Do we know? I think you're pretty close to f- having figured this out. Yeah. Well, when the last big crisis occurred in 2008, 15 years ago, uh, I was warning and many others were warning that the the response of the federal government and the Federal Reserve was going to kick the can down the road and make things a lot worse in the future. Now, 15 years was a, a long road to kick the can down, but I think the piper's finally coming due, so to speak. Um, uh, there's a lot of blame to go around. Uh, you just take a look at the recent bank failures of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and the stresses that are on the regional banks. These banks, um, I don't want to absolve them. They, they made some perhaps bad decisions, but they were loading up on Treasury bonds, which is something the regulators had encouraged them to do, because after all, U.S. Treasuries are the safest investment on the face of the earth. Let me let me uh, pause you for yeah. a second because we're going to have a bunch of people who go. Oh, I've heard of those, but I have no idea what that is. Uh, treasury debt—that's when the United States Treasury borrows and they issue bonds, bills, and notes. Those are IOUs, and those are considered the safest investments that anyone can make uh, because it's backed up by the full faith and credit of the American taxpayer. Um, and the the banks were loading up on a lot of treasuries, safe investments. However, you know, once the Fed started to raise interest rates, the holdings that banks had of treasuries became worth less. Okay, they were at lower interest rates as um, new as the Fed raises interest rates, and uh, it just undermines the value of existing bonds. And um, that's a problem that's not going away. And of course, as as banks realize losses on their bond holdings, um, it you know, they have a problem because big depositors will start heading to the door and, and running, uh, which puts even more pressure on the banks to sell their their uh, their assets, uh, their bonds. And even the even the Federal Reserve, I should mention, over the last 15 years, the Federal Reserve has purchased about eight trillion dollars of, of bonds of all sorts, not just treasuries, but also mortgage bonds, mortgage backed securities. And now the Federal Reserve itself is sitting on over one trillion dollars of unrealized losses. 
So they've really painted themselves into a corner in, in many ways. Now, um, I think the bankers themselves have made some mistakes. There's no doubt about that. And they're being vilified, especially um, these two big banks that failed, um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank are, are being criticized for making too many loans to high tech startup companies, crypto co companies. Uh, you know, after a year of the Federal Reserve raising interest rates very aggressively, that'll weaken any bank's portfolio of loans. Uh, you know, businesses start failing when credit gets tight. So none of this should be all that surprising. And then to sort of add another level of complexity is all the conjecture that the Federal Reserve is doing this on purpose to really shake out the crypto market, that the Fed wants to get rid of crypto, private cryptocurrencies and exchanges, because what the Fed really wants to do is to roll out a central bank digital currency sometime this year. Like a digital dollar. Exactly. And, you know, the worst case scenario is it would get rid of cash. Uh, but, you know, there's lots of concerns about a digital dollar, a digital central bank currency, because it, it would be centralized. It would allow that central authority, the central bank, to basically monitor and surveil every transaction we engage in and potentially block those transactions if for some reason it feels like uh, it doesn't want Americans spending money on something for whatever reasons it is, or they don't like your social media posts or your political dissent. And you, we got a little bit of a, a foreshadowing of this when uh, the Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau and his finance minister uh, started to put the squeeze on truckers who were uh, protesting uh, the, the COVID lockdown policies in Canada. Uh, this is fascinating stuff because it's, we referenced George Orwell earlier and he just can't stay buried, can he? Just <laughs> bursting through the soil. I think along with Aldous Huxley, holding hands. Not put, Kafka in, put, put Kafka in there as well. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. And Dada. We're talking right now to Professor Tim Canova, Professor of Law and Public Finance at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. A nice place to visit, by the way. Said today, the present crisis reveals some of the big shortcomings in the 2008 bailout approach, starting with a failure to nationalize and prosecute fraudster bankers, a refusal to close down the derivatives markets, cronyism and revolving doors between D.C. policymakers, regulators and banks. Um, that's code for lobbying to have less restraint, less restriction, and, you know, pay out bonuses and just have the good old days back again. Well, here we are today. And the Federal Reserve's trickled, I, that was an insert. He did not actually say that. Uh, and the Federal Reserve's trickle down monetary policy, printing money to bail out banks and subsidize financial markets and a casino economy. Well, doesn't that feel familiar? And doesn't that make my great-grandmother or grandmother um, recoil in horror because she knows what's next. It, it, these are incredible times that we're living through right now. And, uh, you know, in that statement you read, I did refer to the, the flaws of the 2008 approach. Um, you know, in, in the 1990s, Sweden, uh, a very industrialized country, small country, but a uh, very industrialized country, had a, a banking crisis. And it's because a real estate bubble burst. And Sweden basically nationalized all of its banks, cleaned them up from the inside. When you nationalize a bank and you replace that corrupt, failed management with receivers, basically, you can clean up the, the bank from the inside. You can investigate their trading practices. You don't have to worry about the bank lawyering up and issuing subpoenas because you own the bank now. 
And that's what Sweden did. And after they cleaned up their banks, they privatized the banks. And I think had we done that 15 years ago, it would have had a very good effect on the markets and on banking itself. Instead, we, we allowed the bankers who brought us the 2008 financial collapse to, to get away with riches, with, with so many riches as a result of that. And it creates a moral hazard. Um, it, it, it just about guarantees that the next time around, the crimes will be even bigger. Uh, we're talking right now to Tim Canova, appointed by Senator Bernie Sanders to select an advisory uh, on a select uh, advisory committee on Federal Reserve reform in 2011. Canova was already warning that the Fed's unconventional monetary policies, along with huge flaws in the 2010 Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform Act, we all remember dancing in the streets. Finally, hooray, it'll never happen again. Well, he warned that uh, that would increase long-term dangers facing our banking system and global financial markets. And here I am, uh, interestingly, in Switzerland, where the yeah. Swiss have done a gigantic move, yet crickets on the streets. People are whispering, they're polite, recycling as if nothing is happening. And that seems to be the general case. Look the other way. But this is a big deal for all of us with any kind of money anywhere, I would say. It really is. And, you know, just in the past few weeks in the United States, the stress on regional and community banks has been so severe that a trillion dollars of their deposits have basically been withdrawn from those community and regional banks and instead have made their way into the big Wall Street banks, you know, the, the giant ones that are too big to fail. And then we see the contagion, the panic uh, shift to overseas. You mentioned Switzerland, where you are right now. Well, uh, Credit Suisse, a bank that had been around for 166 years, suddenly started to have the same kind of meltdown problems. And uh, it, it really was, uh, Credit Suisse is a bank that was really too big to fail without bringing a lot of other banks down with them. Um, and uh, the central bank authorities basically arranged a shotgun marriage so that UBS, uh, an even bigger bank, could... Um, uh, purchase what was left of Credit Suisse. Of course, the central banks picked up a lot of the, the problem loans, uh, a lot of the liabilities. Harry Harris with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, rethinkingheroes.com. Coming up in a few minutes, going to take you inside of a World War II era Swiss bunker so you can actually sort of walk along with me and understand the secrecy, 22,000 of these things. And if you can imagine such a thing in a country basically the size of Rhode Island and how the whole whole thing is tunneled underneath. Uh, it's top secret. And then in 1987, they did something called Operation Ant, uh, preparing for nuclear war and simulated it. Uh, unbelievable structures. And you'll get a sense of how everything is interconnected. And as we talk to Professor Tim Canova, we're taking a look at sort of the overlap between civilian life and how it affects all of life. And all of this will ultimately push more military moves, I would think. The more the stress, the more the need to suppress, organize, and control. And speaking of Switzerland, you used to be able to have a Swiss bank account. Famous. Who doesn't want a Swiss bank account to go hide your money or launder it or whatever you want to call it? Store it. Store it quietly. Well, you can't, as a U.S. citizen, have a Swiss bank account. It's not that it's illegal. The Swiss won't allow you to do it because Uncle Sam decided he wants access to your accounts. So this is part of that 
uh, digital dollar, but going back a number of years now, this kind of reaching into your wallet to see everything you spend. And it's interesting, Tim Canova, you talk about with a digital dollar or digital cur- currency, being able to block what you could buy or not buy. Many mm-hmm. of us have experienced this on the internet with our mm-hmm. internet service providers saying, nope, can't go there. This would be anything you want to buy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. Um, China has had a system of social credit, and they're they're trying to launch a digital currency. It's not; it's really in the testing phase right now. But a system of social control, uh, particularly one based on a central bank digital cu- currency, should really be of great concern to anyone who cares about their own personal autonomy and freedom and and, and individual sovereignty, uh, because central authorities um, get it wrong quite often, sometimes intentionally. Uh, and there's all kinds of reasons they might decide that somebody um, uh, should not be spending money on certain things. Uh, we're, we're, we're all deemed to have carbon footprints. Uh, what happens when uh, you can't get in your car? Uh, you can't uh, leave your 15-minute city. Uh, you can't be purchasing certain products that the um, central authorities believe are somehow going to be uh, dangerous to the climate. And uh, the climate hysteria is, is a, a, a good way for them to do this because it, it's hard to ever disprove that uh, the Earth's climate is changing and maybe for the worse. Although, you know, two tornadoes in Los Angeles, I think anybody not paying attention would say, really? But it happened. So that's about all you need to know. But it's a great pretext to declare exactly. giant policies as a reaction. To offset right. it, and and I want to jump on something you said that that is so important, Tim Canova, professor of law and public finance at Nova Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale. You talked about you can't get in your car. So there's Mildred, ninety years old, going. What do you mean I can't get in my car? It's a Chevy. Well, it's got a digital lock on it. You know, right. codes to get in. It's digital, which means it's connected to the internet, which means you could be locked out forever. Mm-hmm. And they want to digitalize everything, uh, not just our cars, but uh, what our stoves as well. We can't have gas, gas stoves anymore. Uh, and, and most of these rules, I mean, they don't really apply to the elites that are setting policy. The elites that are still getting on private jets and flying into Davos for the World Economic Forum all the time. Uh, somehow, That's those skiing. private jets... Don't leave out the important part. Exactly. I, I appreciate your coming on. I'm so sorry we're out of time, but I definitely want to have you back. Anytime I get to hang out with a professor, I'm having right. a good day. Well, We've thank you, Gary. I appreciate <laughs> it. And, and by the way, you know, here in the United States, we, we have DUMS, deep underground military bases, and hundreds of them. So it's not just Switzerland where you have this. Well, I just happen to be here, um, but I'll go back to the DUM area soon enough. Um, right now, I'm I'm enjoying uh, the frolic of fresh water and clean air. I'm going to get spoiled, but it's okay. I appreciate coming on. Tim Canova is professor of law, public finance at Nova Southeastern. Un- Say that ten times fast. Nova <laughs> Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, and has been talking about the present crisis and really where it all stems from. So this was a great education. Appreciate you coming on, my friend. Carrie Harrison you. with you. This is Rethinking Heroes. RethinkingHeroes.com. In just a sec, I'm going to take you into the bunker. Rethinking Heroes, Life After the Military. Hi, Carrie Harrison here with you, reminding you to like and share when you visit us on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com, Rethinking Heroes. It's really that simple. 
Facebook.com Rethinking Heroes. Not only are we wiping out $1 million in regular people's medical debt at the end of every month, but our Rethinking Heroes Facebook page is dedicated to all the good people who have heard this show and would like to have a 24-hour after show, so to speak. So just feel free to write what's on your mind, in your heart, and on your conscience, knowing that it will remain uncensored and honored not only by us, but by your fellow veterans. Whether you are a veteran or simply married to one or are a military brat or just care a lot more than the next guy, we invite you to hang out on our Facebook page, which is cleverly called Rethinking Heroes. Imagine how many hours that took for that high-level marketing decision. So don't forget to always like and share every time you visit us on Facebook at Rethinking Heroes. Rethinking Heroes. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-628-7226. 800-628-7226. 800-628-7226. That's 800-628-7226. 7226. Rethinking Heroes, Life After the Military with Carrie Harrison. And it is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. We're getting rid of a million dollars in medical debt, and that's everybody's medical debt. I know you're sitting there going, well, what about mine? You are affected and touched one way or the other because it is spread across cities throughout the United States. So sooner or later, it affects you. And we're going to keep doing it every single day month. Wow. Name another radio show in the world wiping out your medical debt. You plural, that is, not you singular, but everyone is going to be touched one way or the other. And the less debt, the less stress, the less problems you and I all have universally and all that because U.S. veterans care. They cared when they signed a blank check and went off and risked their lives, willing to give their lives for you who they've never met. And so their repayment has been awfully difficult. I think we can all admit it. We're looking to make that change, but they're not turning their back on you. Even if they're 99 years old or 19 years old, they have their back still for you. So that $1 million is on behalf of them, and it's awesome. You'll hear an echo in the background right now, and that's because I am in a bunker (laughs) underground in Switzerland. And you're not supposed to know they exist, just like we heard from Professor Canova that there are DUMS, which are deep underground. I forget what he said the acronym was standing for, but we have them too across the U.S. But famously, uh, the Swiss have the best tunnels, the best railways, the best this, the best that. But they have literally tunneled out the place where the Alps are. It is the whole thing is tunneled down underneath. And they have built nuclear bunkers, just like in Berlin, there's a bunker under Berlin that can hold about 6,000 people. And that's when 
the East Germany was born, and then Berlin was split in half. This was under the Kennedy administration. Everyone thought 100% there would be a nuclear war. So I'm standing in a bunker right now. I'm going to post pictures on RethinkingHeroes.com, RethinkingHeroes.com. That's probably the best way you're going to get the tour inside of this. But suffice it to say, you're hearing someone two stories underground in a place that's been sealed 80 years since World War II. And they were ready for those Germans to come invade. The Germans never did. Why? Because the Germans had to put all that stolen stuff that they did horrible things they did. They had to put their money somewhere. And what better than the belly button of Europe, a neutral place, a much bigger story. And we're going to talk about that down the road. But you can go to RethinkingHeroes.com in the next day or two, and you're going to see a bunch of really cool pictures from inside of this bunker. Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes. Very much appreciate spending time with you today, spending time on every radio station that is smart and cool and understands the important history that is left out of the history books, the stuff that you're conspicuously and purposely not taught, even untaught in school. It's interesting. We go to the radio now to learn what we're not allowed to read. There is no editor-in-chief of the internet. There is nobody that says this is true, this is not true. So we do a, a mining uh, expedition here and bring out the best of the best experts, real combat veterans, disabled veterans, uh, people who have been on the front lines, professors, intellectuals, people to bring you the truth that you deserve, that you are here to get. And that remains our commitment. Terry Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes. Don't forget to check out the pictures upcoming of the uh, cool bunker system in Switzerland that has been sealed for 80 years. I'm in it now. I'm going to be posting those pictures. And I really appreciate your spending time with me. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, cleverly, Rethinking Heroes, with an uh, spelt properly, except on Twitter, spelt improperly, Heroes, H-E-R-O-S, because um, Elon Musk can't write. Rethinking Heroes with Kerry Harrison. Life after the military. RethinkingHeroes.com.